Okay, we are live. Uh, this is Small Business Saturday Podcast uh, with attorney Justin Camper, and I have some of my great friends. We got attorney Whitley in the house, all the way from D.C. We got attorney Buhari in the house in the South Bend area. We got attorney Bonza, uh, who's representing Illinois today, Illinois license attorney. Um yeah, I, I'm going to let you guys free flow. This is our second episode doing something together. So I want you to just do like a little brief intro, let the audience know who you are. Uh, and then all the audience members that you guys come in, I know I got one listener. Uh, just let us know where you at, who you are, uh, where you're from. But uh, let's let's start with you, Attorney Whitley. Uh, go ahead and just give us a brief intro, who you are, what you do. All right. Hello, I'm Attorney Jacoby Whitley. I'm licensed in D.C. Uh, I'm from Virginia. Um, so, uh, I work with a lot of attorneys in the DMV area and that's DC, Maryland and, uh, Virginia. Uh, I have a general practice firm. Um, so we adjust to the market, uh, we're a full service, uh, firm. And right now I'm here to help assist you guys with some business advice, um, opinions, but I want to remind everybody to, um, please seek the advice of their local attorney. And don't take anything we say as legal advice to you personally. And um, we are, don't take anything that we say is to join you up as a client. Thank you. That was the words from a wise attorney. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I want to remind everybody here that <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, not personalized legal advice. We are a legal podcast. <laughs> Um, but uh, please talk to your local attorney about these issues. All right, let's go with you, uh, Attorney Buhari. Uh, Shannon Buhari. I don't know where you're getting this H from, man. Shannon Buhari. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's it's a straight A, baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, in the state of Indiana. Um, like Cove said, nothing we give you today is legal advice. Uh, just <laughs> advice, if you will. Uh, but uh, father of four, so you may at some point see a kid poke in through the back or even join us on this podcast. Um, my practice uh, primarily centers around the trust of the state's world, the business council, the corporations, uh, some business litigation, civil litigation, and then real estate, if I didn't say that already. Um, and I appreciate you, Justin, for having me on. No problem. And uh, my apologies. Who yeah, are you? There it is. Okay, who are you? I got it. Beautiful. Got it. <laughs> All right, so Attorney Bonza, hit us up. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Good morning, America. Good morning, uh, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. This is Attorney Bonza from Bonza Law, uh, private practice located in the state of Illinois, licensed to practice in the state of Illinois. We appreciate you joining us for our second podcast where we're making everything conversational. We're just sharing the knowledge, you know, uh, with one another. Uh, the idea is to have the knowledge at your disposal so you may think of who to call when issue comes or when you need some uh, clarification one way or the other. You know, my people perish for lack of knowledge. We don't want that to happen to you. So, uh, Thank you. Thank you for joining us. All right. Thank you, Attorney Bonza. All right. So I'm going to go through a list of topics today. So if you don't know, Small Business Saturday podcasts, where um, we're talking about legal topics that affect small business owners from attorneys. 
And on this uh, topic, uh, on this episode, we're going to have, we have several topics that we want to talk about what's going on in the news. And uh, we have, actually have a bonus for you at the end, which I'm going to share. So first topic, uh, we have, um, I'm going to run through really quick what we're going to talk about. So we got Amorosa. Um, everybody knows Amorosa from The Apprentice. She won, wins a lawsuit against Donald Trump. Um, we're going to talk about that. So we got another one is Tesla, the one that makes all the cool cars. They were found guilty of racism and they were awarded a former employee of 137 million. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. We got PPP loan fraud. More and more arrests are happening continuously. So we're going to dig into that. And then we got Kanye files for a Donda trademark. Why is that big news? What does that mean for small business owners? How can we copy uh, what are the things that Kanye is doing or how we, how, what should we not do that Kanye is doing? We're going to talk about that. And uh, we got R. Kelly's guilty of all all counts. Uh, we get time. We're going to go through that, just share our, our brief thoughts and opinions. And then if we have time at the end, we want to leave it open. If you guys have business-related questions, uh, we'll talk about those questions um, toward the end. So first off, let's go and let's talk about Amarosa. So just a brief background to this story. So Amarosa, she was on the, uh, the reality show Apprentice. So that's how she's connected with Donald Trump. When Donald Trump was in uh, uh, campaigning, uh, Amarosa was on the front lines campaigning. Trump, 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 Trump. And uh, when Trump won, she rewarded him. Uh, she rewarded him. You know, he, I'm sorry, he rewarded her uh, by giving her a position in the White House um, as an aide. And uh, when she was in the White House, things went down. And she ended up getting fired. And they said it was because of lack of integrity. It wasn't really anything detailed. Um, and so she gets fired from the White House. Um, oh, yeah, we got six people watching. Hey, uh, make sure you put in the comments who you are, where you're from. We want to hear from you. Um, so uh, so uh, Amarosa, she's in the White House. She's, she's uh, you know, she's in the White House. She's working. She gets fired for what they consider a lack of integrity. Then uh, she comes out and she says, basically, I'm spilling all the tea of what happened in the White House and all this, what she called corruption, what happened in the White House. And um, so we're going to, uh, so she wrote a book, a tell-all book about, you know, what happened in the White House. So what happened is that Donald Trump ended up suing her uh, for violating a non-disclosure agreement. <coughs> And we're going to break that non-disclosure agreement um, pretty soon. Um, we got my wife watching, Miss Camper, Chicago Listener. Thanks for, for tuning in, wife. Um, and then we got uh, attorney Brandon Loggins, another uh, business attorney out of Chicago. Uh, thanks for watching, attorney Loggins. And so uh, Amarosa is getting sued for violating a non-disclosure agreement. We're going to break that down for you guys. And then uh, she ends up winning. She ends up winning against Donald Trump. And the uh, she went through an arbitration, uh, which is uh, an alternate dispute resolution, which we can break that down as well. And basically, the, she ends up winning this case against Donald Trump. And the, they ruled that the non-disclosure agreement was too vague and um you know it was just too vague to be enforced so um 
I, I wanted to go to you, Shannon. What are your thoughts on this? Um, why do you think Amoroso was able to prevail against Donald Trump? Um, so I think the arbitrator laid it out very clearly. Uh, and of course, they vary by state. But there's certain requirements that need to be met when you do draft an NDA or non-disclosure agreement and have parties agreed to them. Um, and in this particular instance, it was vague and uh, call it ambiguous. So they really didn't know what it was she was to be able to talk about and not talk about regarding Trump. I think it was personal matters, personal life, uh, but nothing that correlated to the her time in the White House. And I think the book is about her time in the White House. Uh, so I think Trump, I think this was a Hail Mary um, and an attempt just to get her to not talk about uh, what she experienced during her time in the White House. Again, but I think the NDA that was specifically subject to this suit and arbitration had to deal with Trump, the man, you know, the personal uh, finances and all of that. Um, and then I think, and then I think at least here in Indiana, there are certain requirements that must be in an NDA. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's the same, I, either New York or DC, wherever this was done, uh, but judges will toss them out in the event they are, uh, call it too restrict, too restrictive, or in this instance, uh, vague. So I, I personally, well, I think, and I haven't read it. I mean, it'd be nice if a copy of the NDA was actually available, obviously for reasons. It right. won't be, um, but I'm, I'm sure there's, it, it was either overbroad or overreaching. So, I mean, I, I think, and then here again, in Indiana, if that's the case, nine times out of 10, an, an NDA will be kicked out. If a judge, if a judge or an arbitrator can't decipher what it is that a person is and is not able to disclose. So I think that was probably it. It was probably overreaching. And, and the arbitrator said, now, nah, if it boils down to something like this, uh, she probably can't talk. I mean, I, I'm sure it, it, in the arbitrator's ruling, it, it spells out what she can and can't talk about. And I think Trump, again, was saying she can't talk about anything Donald Trump. And I think the arbitrator was basically saying, no, that's not the case. She can. She just can't talk about Donald Trump in this particular instance. If she's talking about him in this particular space, that's fine. Yeah, and, and uh, thank thanks for that that breakdown, um, Shannon. And so uh, let's let's educate the public a bit. I don't want to assume that everybody understands NDAs or why is it important to business. Um, does anybody want to just talk about you know what is an NDA and why why is that important for business owners? Well, there's um, a few elements uh, for a NDA non disclosure agreement. Generally, people get into those uh, kind of agreements when the uh, say you're a business person or each party is like, OK, we're going to engage in this business. However, uh, should we go uh, our separate ways later? Uh, this is what you are supposed not to say. Uh, you cannot say this. You cannot uh, divulge this for X, Y and Z reasons. And uh, generally, you a, a well-crafted, and I believe uh, to my, uh, that's why my colleagues have uh, kind of said that the arbitrator um, was right in a way he uh, acted, uh, because there's come there's got to be a description of what the confidentiality means. 
in there to start with. Then you have there a section speaking to the obligations and the rights of the parties. And that's got to be clearly stated and each party generally got to read it if needs be with uh, their attorneys. And then you get to a section that discusses the exclusions. Okay, what can not be discussed in, uh, uh, what can be discussed? What does uh, the agreement not cover, right? So then you go to general terms and also the most important part is the consequences of disclosure, the consequences of violation of this or a particular uh, non-disclosure agreement. And generally, um, the timing of the, the signing of the non-disclosure agreement is very capital. Is it in the beginning of uh, their endeavor? Or is it in the middle of endeavor? What called for it? Some kind of background for it. I recall having to represent a client who uh, was suing for uh, uh, racial discrimination and uh, unjustified firing. And at, it's at the time, at the exit time, that they handed her a non-disclosure agreement and non-compete agreement at the time she's been filed. So things like that are doomed to fail to, in court of law or uh, arbitration, given the timing and also the company. Because at the time the person is signing that information, they may not have consulted an attorney. So I, uh, I, I that's what I will want to say about that. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for breaking that down. Um, <clears throat> real quick, we got a Mr. Quest uh, shouting out from Indiana. Thanks for watching, Quest. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Jacoby, do you want to just break down a little bit more, you know, explaining uh, the NDA process? Um, is there things to add? I know um, Attorney Bonza kind of explained it well, but just explain the NDA process. Why is this important? Why do business need to pay attention to things like this? Okay. Um, so, yes, my uncle's already done a great job explaining NDA, so I don't want to just rehash for people. Uh, right. But it is important uh, for businesses, as my humble mentioned and as Shannon alluded to, uh, to control the information flow. Uh, most businesses have intellectual property or proprietary information, and you don't want every Tom, Dick, and Harry that you talk to <laughs> to turn around and, 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 and divulge those secrets, those trade secrets, even, right? So a non-disclosure is a contract that protects against that because it gives recourse, uh, makes recourse available to those that breach it. And if you sign it, you're the person that is easily identified as the person that breached or you are the person under the obligation. Right. So it clears up any ambiguity uh, as to who had the right to say anything and things like that. So in a nutshell, um, the non-DA, the NDA, uh, <clears throat> as my humble described, um, basically is good for businesses because it protects your information, your vital information, your trade secrets, intellectual property and your proprietary information. Yeah, I think. Not to not to cut you off, Justin. No to, to piggyback off of that, I think when when I think NDA, um, the company that comes to mind is KFC and Eleven Herbs and Spices. Right to this day, the reason 
I'll call it no other company has been able to truly replicate what, replicate what those 11 herbs and spices are is because KFC requires all employees to sign non-disclosure agreements, right? But not only that, they take a step further to ensure, and I'm just using arbitrary seasonings, right? That the salt and pepper never know what the paprika and the lemon pepper are doing, um, which is all part of their non-disclosure agreement. Um, like Kobe said, it's that vital and that pertinent information that keeps a company afloat. Uh, so I, I think, whenever I think NDA, I think the 11 herbs and spices, right? Again, the reason churches or Popeyes or Bojangles, wherever you may go, doesn't taste like KFC is because they're protecting that proprietary information. Well, how do they do that? Employees sign non-disclosure agreements that, you know, amongst other things, you will never divulge what these 11 herbs and spices are. And I just want to bounce back off of that, Shannon, is that that's a great analogy to keep in mind for people. Um, but in that situation, right, that might be a general non-disclosure, right? Uh, or let's say a non-mutual non-disclosure where the employee, right, uh, is limited from saying anything, but technically KFC can say anything about the employee or the, 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 <laughs> the secrets of the employee aren't protected necessarily. <clears throat> but there's a mutual non-disclosure, mm -hmm. right? And I wanna talk to that too, because people are like, all right, cool. My employees got my back. Everybody's my family. I'm good there, right? Or I already have non-disclosures for my employees. What about third-party vendors, right? If you're in negotiations, right? Maybe if it's a merger and acquisition, Shannon probably does this because he's a super yeah. attorney. So, like when you're when you're discussing um, uh, 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 th these businesses and merging or buying another business, you want to make sure that when you're looking under the hood of that business. Right. You can't go and then tell the secret right. behind that business if the deal works out or, or if it doesn't. And that stops corporate espionage, which is right. a real thing. It's another reason why you should definitely hire attorneys to have your back in these situations, because we do know some of the boogeymen that are out there. that right. we're describing how a non-disclosure can protect you against some of them. And then to add on what uh, Kobe said, uh, it, it also depends on what a party um, can or cannot disclose. For example, some of the things that are exempted from it is illegal activities. If the company or the party that you're dealing with is doing illegal activities, I know of a, a situation where uh company an individual working in the meat company knows that the meat company was fabricating uh, uh stamps uh and then using another company's uh stamps and then just getting through them that thing regardless of the fact that um you had signed on disclosure uh agreement that's an illegal affair that you have to you have the moral uh obligation to disclose to the authority so that wouldn't fall under things like you what you cannot disclose. It's ba basically trade uh, business generally. That's how uh, it goes. Yeah, I think that's a really fair point. Uh, and we got we got some new listeners. Whoever you are, just go ahead and, and chime in. Uh, you know, let us know who you are, where you're from. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great point. Uh, we're talking about NDAs. We're talking about these very, very vital, important document uh, to your business. And we, you know, uh, Shannon brought up, you know, uh, he brought up like KFC, right? But 
you know, NDAs can apply to not just, you know, product, it can probably to service-based businesses, right? Um, there might be a, a client sheet, right? You don't want someone to just know the, the public to know who all your clients are and how you do it and what, you know, things like that. So um, it's really important to, for a lot of different industries, a lot of different business, almost every business I would say probably needs an NDA to some, to some extent. Right. Um, so I think that's really key, but you got my boy brought up a good point. Not everything it can be included, right. And illegal acts cannot be included in the NDA. Um, I think another thing that I wanted to talk about is that uh, this was decided in arbitration, right? And a lot of people don't really understand arbitration and what that means. Um, and, and so, I, well, my, my question to you, I'm, I'm going to go to you, uh, Jacoby. Why do you think uh, they chose, I guess, explain to the public, what is arbitration, you know? And then why do you think Trump and Omarosa went through arbitration instead of going to court, official uh, judicial system? Absolutely. Um, so this is actually in my Tesla notes and I was trying to find it, but I'm just going to speak off the dome. So first of all, um, it was probably arbitration in the first place uh, because a lot of employment contracts, uh, employment agreements um, have a clause that says disputes will be handled uh, in arbitration as opposed to being litigated. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're a pro-business, a lot of people think that that's a good thing because you're going to reduce the time of litigation or reduce the amount of litigation and legal expenses that will be involved with settling that that dispute. Um, However, uh, if you're going to look at the con of that, um, what it does, because it takes it out of the judicial track, um, you have certain remedies uh, through court, like you can appeal a case, right? You can't appeal a decision from arbitration. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that the buck stops there, right? So if you don't like the decision, there's less recourse. Uh, so people don't like it for that reason. And also, uh, because there isn't a jury, a lot of the times the settlements, if there's a money point, and we'll get to that later, probably with the Tesla situation, um, is arbitration normally, the settlement award is probably less than what you would get from a jury award from a jury. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's kind of like the ins and outs. But what is arbitration, right? Arbitration um, is how you labeled it earlier, right? It's a alternate dispute resolution. Just use the words. It's an alternate way to resolve a dispute other than court, right? Um, but it's also binding, binding and official, okay? So it's not you just getting your cousin in the room and y'all swearing the blood oath after the chicken stretch right <laughs> i'm saying right <laughs> it's completely official right and so um you can rely on that right and enforce it so but it's a little more murky and less public mm-hmm. okay because any court proceeding is public record mm-hmm. right so basically it's another way to resolve a dispute without going to court that in essence, should be uh, use less legal energy and less legal expenses and time. Um, however, it's a little more opaque. Um, it's a little less transparent. Uh, and it, you don't get the benefit of a jury and some of the recourses that you get um, after a judgment such as an appeal. 
Yeah, I, I think that's really great. And, and I, I wanted to say to the audience, if you have comments um, or questions about anything that we're talking about, definitely put it in the comments below. And we, if you have a comments about, you know, NDA, arbitration, uh, Donald Trump and his whole Amorosa situation, definitely put it in the comments or questions, put it in the, in the comments below. I think that's really great, uh, a really great point, great thoughts that you brought up. Um, so, you know, Attorney Bonza, I want you to just kind of wrap it up here. So, you know, what is the biggest takeaway you think that our average local small business owner who maybe have one or two employees um, who not doing anything at the level, I mean, maybe making, you know, maybe bringing in an overall, you know, annual revenue of 100000 a year. Why should they care about what's going on with Omarosa and Donald Trump? Um, the takeaway cer uh, certainly is find the professional to review your documents before you even hand that document to somebody to sign, because you may even end up uh, shooting yourself in the foot by having that person sign the document. And then you think that you are in the right position, but then you're not, or you may be um somewhat infringing upon that person's right with uh, a weirdly uh drafted uh documents you know it's always important to have a professional look at your document whether it be just through a phone call whether it be uh through a text or email we can make arrangement to review a document because when you're doing business that means it's serious you got to get serious for every single, especially paperwork. Real quick, just if I can, Kobe sure. said something, alluded to something just a little earlier. And the reason I advise clients to put the arbitration clause in their NDAs is because of the simple fact that it does sidestep or side skirt the court system. So there's no stare decisis, right? So I can't say, well, Shannon breached in the past. Let me see what, you know, the court awarded Shannon in his past followed in the same jurisdiction and then asked mm -hmm. for that same type of damages, right? So you breached my KFC non-disclosure agreement and KFC sues you. One, they'll get injunctive relief, right, to get you to stop doing what you're doing. And then two, they might try to get you for some treble or compensatory damage. Well, I can look at that as precedent and say, hey, I'm going to file in the Seventh Circuit or in the Sixth Circuit because Kobe breached this and I'm going to try to get the $10 million out of Kobe that Justin got from KFC. So I think by putting that arbitration clause in there, right, because the ruling is usually not published. And again, there's no case precedent or stare decisis. So I like to suggest clients put them in there and then put that arbitration or mediation clause in there simply because there's you, you can't find precedent. And then two, it prevents folk from knowing how many times that company has had that issue, right? Because again, there's no stare decisis. So uh, it, that's just kind of my little caveat as to why I like suggesting. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know we're gonna move on. But those are, that was just some legal gems right there uh, from Attorney Bonza and Attorney Bari. It, it is literally legal gems because num number one, you know, um, you you got to understand that businesses we how the the legal system respects your business is through contracts what's on paper what did you guys orally what did you guys agree to right and so 
by understanding this, right, having, you know, having the knowledge about arbitration. Oh, I don't have to, just because there's a dispute about the contract, I don't have to go to court. I can go to arbitration. I can go to mediation. I can settle this without being public, without this being a record, you know, without it being, you know, super messy. Yes, right. And so the, a, a business attorney would know that, right, and put that in your agreement. And also just because, you know, you put this, you have a, a, a great agreement, doesn't mean that the, the state is going to honor that agreement. So you need to make sure that you're not just pulling up NDAs online and thinking that you're good because you got to understand that each state has different rules of, of regarding NDAs. And some states are more stricter. Some states allow you to, you know, allow you to, uh, you know, um, write a harsh NDA agreement. Some states don't allow you to do that. So you got to know, you know, what your state allows, you know, when it comes to that. So that is something to think about some reasons why you need to talk to a business attorney about your contracts. I'll move on. So we got Tesla. Tesla is ordered to pay $137 million by a judge, by sorry, by a jury. And um, so there, what happened was there was a black elevator operator who worked for Tesla Tesla is a, a car manufacturing company. I'm pretty sure everybody knows about it. And he was working in his companies, but it's happened back in 2015, 2016. They said that the supervisor and other colleagues were referring to him using racial slurs, right? Um, I believe they said they used the N-word repeated times. Um, they said that uh, they had drawn uh, swastikas and they had stretched a racial epithet in the bathroom stall. Um, they had left drawings of the targetory caricatures of black children around the factory. Uh, so this is really, really disturbing. But this is the largest. Uh, I, I wanted to quote exactly what they said, um, but I can't find it right here. But this is the largest jury verdict, uh, I believe, in history for someone who is suing um, in regards to uh, racism in the workplace, um, he got 137 million um, for punitive dam damages, and then he got 6.9 million for past and future non-economical damages. Uh, so it's a huge award. Um, I want to know you guys' thoughts. Why was this so? Um, you know, why was this so such a big award and why is this even important? I got to reach a comment. We got Dan Greens from China. I didn't know Jay Camp is a podcast. I didn't. Thank you, Dan, for, for watching from China. Wow. Uh, appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, we out here doing podcasts now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts on this? <laughs> what are you guys' thoughts on this? And, uh, you know, why is this it's so important? Uh, the bird? Let's go. Let's shoot shots. That's why we're here, baby. Okay. All right. Clearly, the verdict is making news what you said, right? Right. I, I read the same thing. Uh, so when it comes to a racial discrimination suit, this is the largest. There right. was a suit regarding discrimination in pregnancy. Uh, and the, the bias was based on pregnancy in 2014 for $186 million with the AutoZone employee. But um, this is a huge verdict. But you did, and I'm sure Shannon's going to break this down. My uncle's going to get in there because my uncle's tort Scott, right? <laughs> Tenacious tort. 
Right. You know, we could call him Timmy Tort over there. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as you saw, I think it was six point nine million in compensatory damages. Right. So that seems like a a, a a large amount of money. But you were asking, how do we get so far? Right. The punitive damages. That's what ballooned. Right. That's the hundred and thirty million dollars. And so that's how we got there to answer that question. Um, you, so you have your compensatory damages, it's a 6.9, and then you have your uh, punitive damages at $130 million, okay? So what's the difference? Because people might be asking that. So compensatory damages are basically uh, compensating a person for their actual loss, right? Things that they can show that they lost, medical bills, uh uh, tangible things that they can put forth to show that that loss, right? Punitive damages are damages that are designed to punish and deter uh, future unlawful conduct, right? And why that matters is this, okay? And I'm just, I'm just laying the landscape. All right, Tesla is worth what they say, eight hundred billion, I think, right now. Right. right. I think, All right. I think they're probably one of the largest, if not the largest, car manufacturing companies right now. Right. Okay. Cool. Six million dollars not a lot, right? That might be tax money, <laughs> like for that business, right? So to us, if we had to pay somebody six million, right? Except for Shannon, everybody would be like, "Yo, what am I gonna do?" <laughs> right, right? But for Tesla, it's just like a it's a phone call, move the money, right? right. They, they they'll buy that much of Bitcoin, like no no joke, they'll buy that much of Bitcoin or Doge, right? Um, so that hundred, that other 130 million, right. That's going to hurt a little bit, right. That's going to actually register on their radar. Right. So because they're going to have to liquidate stock to get it, but that's another thing. But anyway, <laughs> but that, but that might, that 130 million might be enough to punish them. And that's why that matters, but they're going to appeal this verdict and try to get it lowered. That's because the Supreme Court has a standard that says punitive damages generally cannot exceed 10 times the amount of compensatory damages. Mm. And even has gone further to say that a ratio of, of, of greater than four to one uh, punitive to compensatory damages is also excessive. So, uh, uh, but the way that uh, uh, Mr. Ortiz can defend against that as if his attorney corps can show that Tesla's uh, misconduct had a widespread impact on the workers and it was found to be highly offensive and reprehensible. And that's the way that that amount might be able to stand, but it will probably be challenged on the pill. Okay. I agree. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, no, I agree. And I think what that 130, uh, puny the, the punishment damages i think that what i think what that shows is in these times we're not going to take this anymore regardless of what kind of company you are right i mean like Cole mm -hmm. said 130 million in punitive i mean punitive damages are it, it's a punishment to tesla so i think what they said was uh that that this individual made the company right HR bosses, etc., aware of what was going on, what was taking place on multiple occasions, 
and yet they failed to rectify the situation, right? So this individual was letting it be known that, listen, they're dropping the N-bomb, they're drawing these you know, derogatory caricatures, they're, this is an unsafe, unfit, hazardous, however you want to call it, work environment for me. And Tesla basically told him to go pound sand. Well, he pounded it, right? And he pounded it to the tune of $137 million, which if we go back to the prior conversation, this is why you have an arbitration agreement. <laughs> but uh, I mean, a non-disclosure agreement and then the arbitration clause of your agreement, right? But I think what it does is it puts these other Google, Apple, Microsoft, right? It puts all these other companies on notice that says, look, in the event you have employees that are saying they're being treated, treated in a discriminatory manner uh, and you fail to do something about it and they sue, we'll make sure you'll do something about it in the future, right? So I think Tesla was called it the guinea pig. I agree, Cobe. I think it goes up on appeal. We don't hear how much that 130 is reduced to, but it's reduced. Um, but but I think it was a statement. It was a statement. Like, well, we're, we're given the current climate, given, you, you know, today's push, we're not going to stand for this type of behavior, right? And, and in the event we find out about it, now we'll give you a chance to rectify it on your end which is why this individual was able to go to HR and report it and all of that. If you don't do anything about it, the jury will, the courts will. Um, and and I, I think you'll see this might be the, call it snowball, right. the snowball effect. Um, you know, Apple might, and I'm not saying it, I'm just saying either they go back and they revamp their cultural and diversity and inclusion guidelines, or you, you'll see you'll see more of these. Uh, and I to jump off of Shannon, I can't find a gentleman in my notes, uh, but there was a gentleman. So Mr. Or, Mr. Diaz, Mr. Owen, Owen Diaz, who's in this $137 million suit, the plaintiff, uh, he was a subcontractor. So I think that's the, that paperwork is why he didn't get a, a non-disclosure to sign, right? Or an arbitration agreement to sign through an employment contract with Tesla because he wasn't a direct employee. However, I think there was a direct employee that uh, won a racial discrimination case against Tesla, similar fact pattern. Um, an arbitration granted him $1 million. So that's just a real life example of exactly what Shannon was talking about and what we were talking about in our previous section with arbitration, the difference in the settlements, and not only the difference, but also the difference in the transparency of the settlements. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that uh, a lot of this speaks to like the leadership and, and being a business owner is the business owner podcast. And uh, Jesse Camper, I appreciate you, respect, thanks for watching. Uh, anybody else that's watching, we wanna call you out. So definitely uh, let us know who you are, where you're from. But I think that um, I think that this speaks a lot to the leadership. You know, being a small business owner, you have to be responsible for the people that are under you, people that are working with you, people that are working for your company. Right? You can't turn a blind eye to complaints. You got to handle it. You got to have proper procedures and protocols in place. Right? And business attorneys can actually help you with those procedures and protocols. You know, uh, depend. You know, they, if you work with one they can really help you put those in place but i think that uh it's just really really important to you know make sure you have some type of system when you to deal with certain type of complaints like racism you gotta you gotta deal with you gotta take um 
you got to take that seriously. But my, my question to my young boy is, I mean, does someone really deserve this amount, much amount of money, right? You know, hey, call me the N-word, and, and you give me $137 million, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I take my 137 I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Do you think that uh, the jury was, went wrong on this, Attorney Bond? I... I, I I think that you you ask a, a very important question. Is the name the calling of the N word um, worth a hundred million dollars in terms of a reprimand? Now, the N word is a term that was once used to demean another person and that term has been used um, all along to still keep one person down and the 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 atrocities that the person feel when the other person calls them the n-word it ties onto what the ancestors of this person suffered at the hands of this other person's ancestors. Now, condoning that use of word by this other person today is pushing us back 100 years in the past. And it shall not be that way it's not a term that should be taken lightly. It's 21st century. Now, uh, we have to look at also the work environment. Uh, this comp comportment uh, literally created what hostile work environment for this individual. Then how many times that happened? And how that happened, Shannon and uh, Jacoby mentioned, indicated incident report. These organizations, and to answer your other question, uh, Attorney Camper, organizations and businesses are required to take matters of harassment seriously. Take note, interview the accused, interview the victim, and interview any possible witnesses. Many uh, and employers do not know. They take a note in there and write it, and the supervisor keep it. They don't even keep it uh, handed to HR. That is one a failure to act on a part of the organization. Period. So then, to cut it short, I think the pain that this person endured coming to work knowing that he's going to a place that he's going to be attacked all the time by anybody and he knowing that his organization was not protecting him coming to work for you but you not protecting me i will be uh i want to exaggerate a little bit it's like it's like i'm going to be a slave again i'm going over there they're going to insult me but so long as they're going to pay my bread, I'm going to go over there and take this and get out. 
the pain that person suffered. Now I'll go back to what my colleague said and compensatory damages. You have special damages that you can you can uh, 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 show by ways of bills and what you've incurred as expenses as a result of that action. But you also have nominal damages too that had to do with pain and suffering that can be factored in that. When you call a person a nigga, I mean, Preach, brother. No, we live, baby. Let's do it. Seriously. Seriously. You, you, you call a person, right? And they go back to 10,000 years ago, 100 years ago. I mean, tell me how much suffering they go in, what they endure. I currently, I'm currently handling one in federal court where an employee was called the N-word twice. He goes on and tells the supervisor. The supervisor tells him, that, oh, uh, we handled that. But then he, he never handled that. The employee writes a note and give them. They never handle that. They never give it to HR. The employee that called him the N-word leaves a voice message saying, hey, listen, I'm sorry. But still, HR did not act upon that. Right? That is wrong. You let the person that comes to work for you down. As business owners, you have to protect all your employees all the same way right act and then you shall protect yourself and protect your 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 industry i mean i mean your business that's that's about it. i think i think it's 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 given the era that we live into uh justin um it's it's like a, a zero tolerance type of era where things like this have been uh pushed under the rug for many years, but now given the rise of the movement and everybody's rights, gotta be careful doing things like that. There are people that do it on purpose. There are people that do it on purpose to check you. And there are people that are doing it innocently they didn't know. So it depends, it's, it's to answer your question, again, it depends on the facts and the circumstances and how long this has been happened, which, which company are we talking about? And this is a high caliber, I'm sorry for Tesla. It's a high caliber uh, uh, organization. And, you know, it's, yeah, they should have known better. They should have known better. Um. Uh, Starbucks, they did a good thing. Something happened. I had to do with race. They, did, they took a day of observation of whatever. Why? Because they understood that we cannot afford to go through this just because this one manager did this. Let's make it right. Tesla had a chance to make it right, you know? But you never underestimate the other person, no matter how little they are, because you never know what they're able to pull up. That's what I learned. They underestimated this guy, and then here we are. All right. Yeah, Jacoby, yeah, your final thought. Yeah, I just wanted to add this practical, this practical piece of knowledge I just told a client this yesterday. When it comes to civil cases, right, the only justice that you can get is dollars. Money, it's yeah. fact. It's fact. We can't bring health back. Right. The jury can't roll out a time machine, nor the judge, to go back in time and make anything right in a civil case. In a civil case, the only thing that you can get for your client is dollars. Respect. 
perspective. I mean, hey, if you guys haven't wanted haven't um wanted to hire one of these guys to be your representation, uh just in case you have uh, uh some uh, issues with your company, uh I don't know what to tell you because they really broke that down extremely well. Um I Pierre Taylor said, thanks for watching. He said, I'll take the 137. I'm with you. You can call me whatever kind of names you want. I'll take my check and go home. But um, <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to the next topic. So we have we want to talk about PPP loans, right? This is a buzzing thing. Um, last year, everybody was talking about PPP loans. Uh, PPP loans is the uh, pay paycheck, uh, whatever. I can't pay, read, uh, paycheck protection program. The paycheck protection program. Uh, the government was given for. Uh, COVID-19 uh, relief, and they were giving it to uh, businesses to help them to pay for their payroll and to help them pay for certain expenses in regards to their business. And so they passed this massive stimulus package, and um, what ended up happening was that a lot of people committed fraud. And now more and more arrests are happening. Um, even came upon um, Attorney Bonds' radar because Someone in Joliet, with Joliet, Illinois, just got two people in Joliet, Illinois, just got arrested. So it seems like the uh, it's about to be, you know, a lot of um, arrests happening. Um, so I, I, I I'm kind of, you know, on the fence here. I, what do you tell business owners about this situation, and, and why is it important to talk about? Attorney Bonzo. Yes, uh, it's it's important to talk about it because <clears throat> every one of us is a business uh, owner, one way or the other. Your friend, your cousin down the street is uh, a business owner, one way or the other. Uh, and uh, one of the other reasons why it's important to talk about is the consequences that are coming, their fate. They're, not, they're going to be slow to come, but they will get there. And they will get to E who has applied for the loan taking the money or put in the application not taking the money yet but most importantly it will be uh coming down to he who has applied and taken the money whether the money was taken the right way or the wrong way and then why we here is to figure out if you have any doing with this come on make a call have a conversation because what's coming is not just state, it's federal crime. And people are looking at 11 or more time in federal prison, right? And then state's gonna come down too. I, I, I say this, I have been able to help folks who call and say, listen, Somebody told me I can just go over there and put in an application and get $20,000 and walk away. I say, do you have X, Y, and Z? Do you have the amount of employees required? Oh, no, but I do this. Okay, do you have it on paper? No, I don't. Okay, don't, don't do it. Some people listen. Some people did not. I know folks today who have gotten $10,000 and then uh, bought uh, compounds in Africa, you know, and that's 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 the bad. And then the other person called himself genius. He know how to write papers and call folks that could not read and write paperwork for them and send. 
These folks were business. They did not understand anything, but they sent it. But long story short is this. If you are a business, you have done this, you need to talk. Because what you're looking at is bank fraud. What you're looking at is mail fraud. What you're looking at is wire fraud. What you're looking at is making false statements to bank or financial institutions. You're looking at money laundering. And to that one, I want to talk to uh, immigrants. There is domestic money laundering, and there is also international. <laughs> and it gets really, really serious there because you took the money and you sent that money over there uh, to West Coast, West Africa. Yeah? It crossed the state, it crossed the ocean. That's international already. A scheme. So, uh, that, that's to digress there. All these, these charges have to do with the intent and the knowledge of you intending to defraud or you okay. knowing that the money was going to be used for an unlawful purpose. What they're looking at when charging you is what you put in the application but do you have any reason to have put what you put in the application? And then what they're also looking at is what you use the money for. A person that get take the money and then put in the business versus the person that take the money goes over there and buy uh, a 2020 uh, Cadillac. It's different. You go ahead and buy a home somewhere else. Your business is in Wyoming. It's different, right? You, so that's what they're looking at, and that's what compound to that. Um, so like I said, it's very important for businesses to know, and it's always important for businesses before you engage in any financial institutions like this, you come in. And then I'm not going to just blame my folks. Um, There's also part of what the country, the government didn't do right. All these people had to do is come in and show this, they give them the money and walk away. Was there any verification that was supposed to be done in there, you know, mm. by the, on the part of the government? You know, yeah. you can't just walk in a, in a federal state organization and get the money and walk away without any verification. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. we all are not, I mean, ignorance of the law is not an excuse, but right. there are some room, wiggle room where you can um, find justification. In what you did, basically, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really a tough situation because you know when the government first put out the the funding, everybody was saying, "Oh, it's too hard, it's too complicated. I gotta go through hoops." And then they made it super simple, and then of course, fraud just took you know mass. It was just massive fraud everywhere. Uh, I mean, I can't really say what advice I would give to. A business owner who committed fraud. I mean, I think that you know, <laughs> you talk to a criminal defense attorney. Get a criminal defense attorney. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you it. know, yeah, and and, and uh, don't do it. You know, right. um, you know, be honest. It's never worth it. Um, uh, one one comment from the past. Somebody said uh, Pierre said Pierre said that 137 order versus the historic high coffee settlement is so crazy. I'll take the N word for one thirty-seven, Alex. Yeah, I, I I agree, man. Um, I think 
uh, he's talking about the McDonald's hot coffee supposed to say yeah I think that the interesting part that about that is when I, I when I heard it you know as a layperson I was just like oh wow that's stupid you know but when I actually read it in law school and she had like third degree burns and it was on her you know uh you know you know so it was in a sensitive part of her body it was right <laughs> I was trying to think of the right word now. <laughs> <laughs> uh it was on a sister part of her body of her genitals um and then you think about the fact that they said it was so hot that you know it was literally no point like nobody can even drink it at that level of hot you know hot it was, it was like, oh wow i can see why she won this right um but yeah i think it's it's just crazy how these jury verdicts work um i think it's it's just so important as business owners that you know you you take good records. You treat people well. I want to move on to the next subject unless someone else wanted to to tap more. To oh, I do. Okay. I want to say something. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> if you are being investigated for this, call a lawyer. <laughs> this is why you are being investigated, right? Everything you say, they taking notes. This is the FBI, this yes. is DA. They taking good notes. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. Everything you say, even if you think it is in your best interest and you're just trying to, you know, explain your situation, can be and will be. That's the part people miss out. Will be used against you. So you need to speak to an attorney immediately. To make sure that even in good faith, you don't say anything that can be misconstrued or used against you in the court of law. Because you are being investigated for a crime. They're not looking to sue you and just have this judge come talk to you. Uh, they're, they're, this is a criminal investigation. Um, and if you're wondering, saying, hey, guys, how, you know, how do I know if I haven't like, necessarily come in contact with the agent? How do I know I'm being investigated? Freeze your account. That's normally the surefire way you get a no indication from the bank that your account has been frozen. Um, they're doing a forensic analysis on your account. Yeah. Uh, and it, a, a lot I think of before, sorry, what? Justin, before you get there though, Cole, did you lie on the application? I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm just saying, I'm just Before your accounts are even frozen, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, did you, you know, or did you intend, you know, I think one element, uh, Chief knocked out of the elements. I think one he forgot was conspiracy to commit wire fraud, right? So right, that's yeah. just an agreement between two, and we filled out the application and submitted it. It's not even we got the funds yet. It's not even, you know, they made the deposits. It's just the fact that me and Cobe said, let's go get this PPP money. At that point, right. we've committed, you know, the conspiracy to commit wire fraud. So uh, in short business owners, Tell the truth on these applications. Yes, it's free money uh, if you meet the requirements, but at the same time, is it worth freedom? Probably mm -hmm. not. Um, and and I mean, I think Joel Osteen was ordered to pay $4.4 million back not too long ago of the PPP uh, money, but uh, it, it, it was there to help businesses stay afloat if they truly needed it. Uh, taking advantage of it in these particular ways uh, is going to cost is that ninety-eight thousand dollars worth? Like my said, 
11 years of your life. And and in the state of Indiana, at the state level, we have good behavior, bad behavior, right? So there's one day in jail. If it's a good day, they'll knock a day off your sentence. Feds don't offer that. So 11 years is 11 years. There's no credit for time served, any of that. So tell the truth. If you need the PPP loan, and it be truthful in the application process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I know, uh, Attorney Whitley, I know you're, you know, you had a lot of federal cases. So can people come to you if they, they're worried about PPP loan fraud or, you know, if they worried about, you know, possibly having a criminal, excuse me, criminal case? Sure, sure, sure. Yes. Uh, my federal cases are partnered uh, with an attorney, a friend of mine, a colleague of mine. Sure. Um, but sure, if somebody has, um, especially it's in the uh, district court in D.C., give us a call for sure. That's 202-499-2403 or 1-833-CALL-JKW. That's 225-5559. Thanks for that, <laughs> that, that information. Uh, so let's go to the last topic. So the last topic is uh, Kanye West files for a trademark Donda. Okay. And, you know, I thought, you know, when I first saw it, I was just like, okay, whatever. Right. But it became like just this big news. And I, it, it became this big news around, um, you know, it came this big news because Donnie Rest, he didn't just file for one classification, and I, I can explain it. One of us can explain it later, but he explained he filed for at least 20 different classifications under Donda. And one of those classifications was um technology, right? He's which I have no idea what he plans on doing with technology and the word Donda. Uh, but does anybody want to talk about this and What's going on with this Kanye situation? Why do you think it's important? Absolutely. So Kanye is my Kanye's Kanye. So if you guys don't know, Kanye has, including the pending, 69 trademarks. Yeah. Right? And as Justin alluded to, there's like 40 different straight. What is it, Justin? 41, 43 different international classes. Oh yeah, yep, yep. I think right? it's 41, yeah. Something so like each mark. Yeah. You can in that sixty nine. You can still apply for different classes in there, right? Right. Uh, that's why if you look them up, some of them are repeat because it's the same name, but they're doing different sets of classes. Right. Um. But uh, yes, yeah, so he's very familiar as a creator, right? He's very familiar with copyrights, trademarks. So he's definitely getting um. Tra- and that's another thing. If you're in this innovative sector, that's a good way to judge when people are coming out with new products or judging things in the. In the, uh, coming out with something new, they'll trademark it first. So a lot of these business writers, uh, that's what they're doing. They're looking at the trademark and patent website and looking for new uh, trademarks. And then they know to start looking into that company to start checking that move. And that's what happened here. Um, and if you follow Kanye, so it's actually not that much of a leap, right? So I know that Kanye was working on a Donda video game right so uh and i think he used some of the uh uh visuals some of that was the inspiration for some of the album um ideas right uh and i think just working in that tech space he organically got into more products right so i think 
through uh, the video game and other things. Because if he comes out with a video game, right, he's coming out with a video game today, not yesterday. So he's not coming out on Atari. I don't know what Soldier Boy is talking about. But it's going to come out on something. It's Kanye, right? So it's going to be like 3D, immersive, uh, virtual reality, or the quasi thing where you catch Pokemon. What is it? I don't know. But yeah, uh, it's going to be top-notch and forward-looking and forward-thinking. So um, I don't think it's far-fetched. I think it makes sense. And because he's trying to um, put his product in so many markets, I think that's why he's coming out. Uh, that is why he's coming out with so many international classes to protect his brand and um, so many uh, uh, markets. And uh, interesting note, Justin and I talk about this all the time. One of the common reasons that a trademark is refused is the likelihood of confusion. And did you know that the Sunday service trademark, uh, Kanye tried to get Sunday service trademark, and it was denied or refused due to likelihood of confusion. Just FYI, it can ha- it happen to Kanye, it can happen to you. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Pierre Taylor said, uh, let me pull his comment up here. He said, I like my kneecaps without burns. Um, I think he's referring back to that uh <laughs> um to that uh, that uh, 137 um uh jury verdict from Tesla. So yeah, I, you know, trademark is my thing, it's my jam. So I, I can say so much about it, but I think a lot of times with small business owners that they don't even understand that literally trademarks can be like money. You know, it are it's it brings so much value to your company uh, because once you get that trademark, uh, you have ownership over that brand. You can, you know, your brand are so important. I don't even have to explain that, but brand is so important to business owners. And you can license your name out. You can do so many things with it. Um, so getting that trademark registered within the USPTO office is so key. It's so important. It, it literally brings so much value. It really, it literally ups the value of your company just by having, you know, trademarks i mean do you uh shane i know you you deal with mergers acquisitions uh this intellectual property like trademarks is that like important is that something that people negotiate uh when they are you know merging companies together like hey i need to make sure you got you know if you got these trademarks i'll pay you a little bit more because that add value to the company oh, oh sure i mean i think they, that's what um that, that's considered goodwill Right. I mean, I think like Cove said, it's the brand. So part of me acquiring something else is acquiring everything that comes with it. So people will pay top dollar for that intellectual property. Right. They'll pay top dollar for that. Those trademarks and not just I know trademarks is this, but they'll pay for the copyrights, the trademarks, the trade secrets and the patents. Right. I mean, why why do you think, uh, you know, when Apple buys up all of these uh cell phone designers the patents that that all of that comes with them because we don't want this to be out like the, the, the rounded screen apple we were the first to do that um trademarks uh when i think of trademarks what comes to mind again is is three peat right pat riley trademarked the phrase three peat when he was still coach of the miami heat back in the late 70s early 80s well what does that mean that means every time the Bulls, when they went back to back to back, back to back to back, when the Lakers went back to back to back and they wanted to print three-peat on their insignia, they had to pay Pat Riley licensing fees 
to use his term three P, right? And Justin, you can get into the uniqueness, the like, you know, the likeness, the causing confusion in the marketplace, how you can trademark terms. But to me, that's one of the greatest um, examples of why it's important to trademark a, a term, phrase, if if there's protections offered. So you know, when the Bulls dynasty was running, they had to pay Pat Riley again, and I don't know what he charged, but when you know they wanted to put three P ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight champs on the Pat Riley was getting paid for that, right? Two thousand, two thousand, ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one, the LA Lakers, you know, back to back to back champions, three P baby, we won, we won. Pat Riley was getting paid for that because he owned the rights to coin that phrase, to coin that term, to use that term, right? Three P. So uh, Kanye is a businessman mm-hmm. first, I think, before he's a creative before he's a, a musician, I think he's a businessman, right? So I'd be curious to see in what ways we'll see, especially, uh, you know, that tech space. Now, he couldn't trademark the name because Donda's not unique in and of itself, right? But to trademark Donda in a particular tech space, well, that's different. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'd, be, I'd be interested to see how that plays out. But I think part of mergers and acquisitions part of doing business deals is understanding the goodwill that comes along with the company. Right back in the day when Facebook acquired Instagram, it wasn't because they thought Instagram was better than Facebook. It's because they saw the value in an Instagram. They bought the licensing rights to trademark. Um, But that's the part of the goodwill. Um, So I think it's very key to figure out uh, when you're structuring some of your M&A deals, even if you're just buying a business, you know, if, if we're not even going to merge, I want out of the industry. I'm, I'm selling. Hey, are you also selling the copyrighted protection? Right? Are you also selling the intellectual property? Because if not, what can happen is you'd be stuck with a business, but not the IP, the intellectual property. So now you're still paying the person that you bought the business from to use what you thought you might have been purchasing. So it's always important to figure out what it is you're actually buying. Or if, if there is an M&A deal, what can the business that's acquiring the smaller business, uh, what is it that they're actually, what, what's part of this transaction? Right? And I always suggest clients to include the IP if they have it. Just tell them you want it, pay them top dollar for it, but include the IP. Absolutely. I, I just want to acknowledge our listeners. Uh, we got uh, uh, Brent Call watching and saying that's heavy. A- absolutely. Um, if you're just tuning in, you know, um, pl- uh, please uh, put in the comments who you are, where you're from, where you're watching. But, uh, he, you know, that's just that's, you know, a, a gem right there. It's so important to get your trademarks. Literally, it can it literally add value to your company. We all know that uh, different entrepreneurs, they go into business for different reasons. Right. And some people have the end goal of actually selling their business. It's built to sell. Right. I build it. I get it running, I make it profitable, then I sell it for another profit, right? Having those trademarks in your business can literally uh, be the difference between, you know, you making more from the deal than, than you not making from the deal, right? And it also can make you look bad, like, well, hey, I'm going to buy this business, but you don't have ownership of the name, you don't have ownership of of um, the slogans or anything like that. How am I supposed to market this moving forward? A lot of businesses they have in mind that they want to be franchise owners, right? They want to 
re uh, replicate their business. How can you do that without trademarks, right? You need to make sure that you can protect the name, the slogan, uh, your logo, the coloring, because you don't want another business to pop up with the similar thing, exact same thing, and you can do absolutely nothing about it. We got Cartel. He said uh, he's from Chicago, real serial real estate investor. I'm late. Hey, you're just in time. Thanks for watching. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, and, and so, um, I think that it's just really, really, really important, um, to make sure that you do invest into trademarks at the right time. And we, we brought up earlier about classifications, right? And so, what that means is, in short, and I can go into a whole spill about it, but what that means in short is that you can't trademark everything, right? You have to trademark, uh, whatever you're trying to trademark, you have to connect it to a certain product or service, right? You can't just say, I'm, I'm trademarking Donda. Nobody can use Donda ever in life, <laughs> in existence, right? So he's trademarking Donda for tech, tech services, trademarking Donda for, you know, uh, apparel and things like that, right? So uh, you got to know, you know, which classification that you fall under. Uh, any trademark attorney should be able to help you find that out. Uh, I, you know, we're, we're, I'm a trademark. We all do trademarks. So definitely, you know, hit us up if you do have trademark questions. Um, Attorney Bonza, before we hit uh, in this subject, I, I want to know what your thoughts on Kanye. Like, what can business owners learn from Kanye in this situation? Well, the most important thing uh, or the takeaway from this is um, learn how to protect your interest. You know, learn how to protect your interest. And if you think something may be a treasure to you in the business or something can be vulnerable to attack yesterday, today, or tomorrow, speak with a professional. Kanye has a, a tons of lawyers at his disposal, you know, and it's not given to everybody, but it doesn't hurt to uh, pick up a phone and dial a number and uh, talk to someone. Just so you know, because you don't do your business to stop. You do your business to get better and give the world something different from what they've seen you in the past. So I think it's most important to know that you have to learn and be meticulous how, about on how to protect your interests. Absolutely. Um, and I, I love how you said that you you got to learn how to work with a professional, be very uh, meticulous with your business. Got to think ahead. Right. You know, he didn't say, OK, I'm going to do tech product down to, oh, you know, I'm going to do a trademark. He thought ahead. Whoever his advised him thought ahead. Let's go ahead and get this done now. Let's get the trademark done now. Let's get my intellectual property done now. Right. So you got to be thinking ahead. You got to be working with lawyers ahead of time. I love when my clients work with me ahead of time, you know, versus uh, lawsuit time. Yeah. <laughs> you spend yeah. way less money up front than you do on the back end. Absolutely. You spend way less money up front than Absolutely. you do on the back end. Absolutely. Way less money. Um, uh, go ahead. Sure. Real quick, Justin, not to cut you off. If the listeners are, are, are uh, if they like homework assignments, um, there was a very interesting trademark case. Uh, Christian Louboutin versus Yves Saint Laurent. Right. And, and, and in short, everybody knows that Christian Louboutin is the red bottom. Well, YSL tried to bring out a shoe and replicated that red bottom. Great, great, great uh, blurb case, whatever the case may be, that 
discusses the importance of a trademarks, but three, I mean, I'm sorry, B using trademarks to protect your brand. So it's just a little something to throw out there. If, if listeners, even if you guys want to read an interesting blurb about, you know, Louboutin versus Yves Saint Laurent, both high fashion, right? High end top dollar fashion houses. Uh, but only one of them got to use the red bottom and it's a trademark now. So, but I just threw that out there. The importance of like Chief said, protecting your brand is important, right? That's why Adidas can't go say, just do it. <laughs> so just to piggyback one more time, funny thing, you say that, Shannon. So Adidas and H&M has been in a trademark battle. So H&M came out like 97 with athletic wear with two stripes and not three. Uh, Adidas sued them, won eventually, but they've been appealing. H&M has been appealing it. And it's getting it overturned because they're saying in that time frame, they collected data that shows consumers aren't confused on where the brand will emanate from. So, uh, and also to piggyback off of Shannon, uh, Shannon and I have actually sent some case law back and forth with trademark cases with Rolex, uh, Champagne Company, the thing, Clico. Uh, so some of the major brands, all the major brands, has some type of trademark case law because they all have trademarks and have been challenged. Yeah, and COVID on something very key. Uh, excuse my daughter in the background, and I know we got to move on, Justin. But yeah, the purpose of a trademark is to re, is to not cause confusion in the marketplace, right? And that was the basis of that Eve Saint Laurent v. Christian Louboutin case. If I see a man or a woman walking down the street and I just see a red bottle, who do I associate that product with, right? I would automatically think that be Christian Louboutin. So when I approach you and say, "Hey, Justin, those are some nice Louboutins," and you say they're not Louboutins, they're Eve Saint Laurent. Oh well. I thought they were a Christian Louboutin, right? Or the three-stripe versus two-stripe. But well, from a distance, if I can't see that that's two stripes and not three, I might think that's an Adidas piece of clothing, right? So the purpose, again, of a trademark is to make sure that when your brand is seen in public, right, that people know it's your brand and they don't they don't associate it with something else. So that that is the beauty of the whole i mean we all went to valpo law school um burberry actually sent valpo a cease and desist letter because at one time the crusader looked just like the burberry emblem and burberry said in the event you all fail to cease you know revamp recreate your mascot we're going to sue you for causing confusion in the marketplace because when your students are walking downtown chicago and all they have is the valpo logo on their shirt with no name somebody might think that's a Burberry sweatshirt, right? So it's very interesting. So Burberry actually sent Valpo Law School um, uh, a cease and desist letter to tell them that they can no longer use. So they had to revamp the Crusader. So the Crusader we saw when we were at Valpo was the after Burberry sent them a cease and desist letter. So protecting your interests is very important. Absolutely. And then um, the Crusader, I, I think they are changing their logo, so the Crusader won't even be there anymore. I thought he went through all that. <laughs> um, so we got uh, uh, Carl Brent said, uh, man, just gave me another idea. Great. That's, this is for business owners. This is a business owner podcast with lawyers, with business lawyers giving advice. So I'm glad he's stirring up ideas. Uh, definitely give us a call. Uh, we had a, another person, Anthony Curry, says, I need a trademark. Hey, justincarefullaw.com. Uh, definitely uh, let, hit us up. Any of us can really help, but justincamperlaw.com, I can definitely help you with that. 
Thanks for watching, Anthony. Um, Samuel Sales, Sammy Sales said, uh, protect your interests. That you get it. That, that is the message to protect your interests. Um, and protection means being proactive, right? Not reactive, not oh, I got a cease and desist letter. Now I need to talk to a trademark lawyer. Oh, you know, um, I see somebody with my brand. Now I need to talk to a trademark lawyer. No, you need to talk to someone, you know, proactive, have a plan in place, right? Know when it's the good time to get a, a trademark, right? And so with my client, I'm extremely honest with them. Sometimes I say, you right now, you don't need to go for a trademark, right? And so you want to know, like, when it's a good time to get a trademark, when not to get a trademark, and talk to a lawyer and let them advise you on it. Um, real quick, we're about to go, um, and uh, we're getting close to the last 10 minutes of it. Um, R. Kelly is guilty on all counts. Uh, it's just a big topic in the news. It's a legal topic. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on it, um, but uh, anybody wanted to share anything about the whole R. Kelly situation? Um, so my point with it was, you know, I know I'll jump out. I ain't, I ain't tripping, <laughs> right? Um, so I don't know how many people on the panel has done jail visits, right? I have, I have, right. So I'm not gonna speak on anybody's sentence or nothing like that. If you've seen the inside of jail, you don't wish that on anybody, right? Okay. So I'm not placing judgment. It's that, and the third, of course morally i have an issue but that's not what we're here for we're for the legal thing but i'm going to segue because i think this is a good point to bring since we're a male panel to highlight the point about mental health awareness in men specifically black men so regardless of what was going on right and i'm not and then to take myself out of judging a person and throwing stones right right that there was some type of trauma because normally an abuser was once abused, sure. right? And he never got help for it. And the money, you know, money will highlight any negative thing you got going on in your life. The more money you make, the more it will become apparent, uh-huh. right? So I think I will more so take this moment to uh, shed a light on mental health awareness uh, with men specifically, hyper-specifically black men, um, and just take this moment to make sure that men and uh, 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 men's loved ones check in on them and make their mental health a priority. And I just would take my time and I would lay it there. Yeah, I I, uh, I think that's a great angle to take from that. Uh, but real quick, before we, before we get, uh, we had a comment from the last topic. Uh, it says, it's amazing that the phrase uh, that that phrase could be trademarked three P, but the copy dance moves displayed by Fortnite emotes less in court. And I think he's referring to the Carlton dance, how they were doing the Carlton dance and Fortnite, but they couldn't do that. That wasn't be able to be trademarkable. Um, it's only choreography, dance moves in general aren't can't be trademarked, but but choreo or copyrighted, but uh, but. Um, Choreography can be copyrighted. It's kind of it's kind of yeah. weird, um, and um, so yeah, I, I, that I can go. I think that might be a subject we should talk about next week. Mm-hmm. I mean next month. Um, uh, Carl Brent said it's bigger than him, and I it's definitely bigger than him. Um, 
I, I think I want to take the angle that uh, Jacoby brought up um, about mental health, you know, and I, I think, I, I guess I should say, I want to take a little bit of a different angle, actually. I think that um, what brings, what really hits me with it is that where are the other people that are responsible um, or why aren't they getting charged? Um, you know, the people that enabled him, the people that allowed us to happen, the people that, you know, the parents, whoever was involved with this situation, you know, it's really easy to uh, find, you know, a scapegoat and go after him. Another another question I asked is, why did all these charges happen after a documentary, right? You know, if, if these were legit charges, legit claims, you know, um, why wasn't the police pursuing this afterwards? Why was it reactive to a documentary, right? It, it gave a lot of power to um, just people in general that if I can make a documentary about you, now I got the police looking at you, not to find you know a way for you to go to jail. So I think that's a, a issue that I had too. And a lot of another issue, my third thing is just that um, there are so many celebrities, superstars who have done the same thing, and sometimes even though in the worst of ways, and they're scot free, scot free, and they have a different um, ethnicity. And I think that really angers me as well. It's like, okay, all right, we're going to punish R. Kelly. Fine. Great. If he did it, he deserves to be punished. But where, what is, as a society, we're going to do to um, help make sure that everybody, you know, who violates this rule, uh, who, who violates, you know, who does any type of form of, um, you know, uh, sexual activity with children or people underage, or to any type of sexual abuse, let's make sure that they are held to the same line. We give them the same fire, and they are in jail too, right? Um, Car Brent said, "Yep," and he said, uh, "We he had to learn the game from somebody to last so long." Great point. He had to learn the game from somebody to last so long. Absolutely. Um, okay, and uh, real quick, we have uh, five minutes left, unless the attorneys wanted to say anything. If you guys had any questions, any uh, business related questions uh let me know uh let, let us know uh put it in the comments below any business related questions uh and then we'll talk about it carl brent uh, said that yes this is a major blow to the culture when it comes to intellectual property and time is being it got to be fair for all nationalities i agree 100 percent is anybody else who wanted to make any comments or say anything attorney bonds i feel like you got a lot to say you just you're not you know, I mean, I mean, if I say <laughs> my mind is telling me no, my body is telling me yes, you know, you can't, you can't do that. I don't want to hurt nobody. <laughs> I can't. There's something I must confess, you know what I'm saying? So that tells you where I stand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly where I stand, but I, like I said, because... <laughs> chief still stepping in the name of love. Oh, that's right. You know, this is this is we're talking about a genius, and one like no other. I wish anybody could show me anybody else out there in the world that is as talented as this gentleman. 
grew up from nothing, hustled straight corners. And then he got where he got. And then for some reasons, the devil got in. The devil got in. And then for some reasons, the crew failed to use what we just did, protect your interest. Mm -hmm. The crew exposed his interest instead. Mm -hmm. And then and then we're looking at us as a community losing uh, somebody that we could look up to and say, okay, this is how talented this guy was and we appreciate everybody, I mean, everybody in this room and as well as the listeners, they know, you know, how good this guy is. But, and again, this could have been prevented one way or the other. Uh, Council, you mentioned something about mental health. You know, uh, and, and, and again, one of our, our listener or viewers said it's bigger than him. I mean, it's so giant that we don't know where to hold this from, where to attack it from. But I know, not to say much, this could have been prevented had the crew been meticulous about protecting the interest and doing business. <laughs> Somebody say, yes, yes, on point. My man, you're feeling it. And you know it. And, then, and then I can I can say I can sit here and say the whole day long, right? But all I have to say is this: I regret that this is happening to the one of the few genius we have in the music music industry, right? And I also regret that um, the crew failed to protect his interest as a businessman, because this is a business um, podcast. We have to narrow down to business, but. Um, one one may be wondering, but did he do? Did he do? I mean, what's wrong with somebody telling somebody to call you daddy? I mean, okay. So on that note, uh, we're gonna move on. <laughs> um, uh, Carl Brent said all game strategy. So on the sword, we did get one question. Um, and I appreciate yeah. you, Sammy. Um, uh. <laughs> Uh, for um, um, for the question, uh, we're allowing people to ask any business related question towards the end of the show. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and answer this question really quickly. Uh, Sammy Sales said, "Should you pitch to a company without an NDA or trademark copyright protection?" I see hands. Yeah, I see, yeah. I, see I was mouthing this earlier. Yeah, I was mouthing our... this in the background doing my no. humble monologue. Right? I was yeah. mouthing this because I saw this, bro. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, it ain't no, it depends, it ain't no variable, no, no, my no, my brother, no, don't do it. And, and I think the reason that is though is simply because you have no protection, right? I mean, so your pitch could be easily it, it can be a great idea. Um, but there's nothing to stop me to move forward with that pitch in the event you have nothing protecting yourself from saying I can't do so. Right. So the way I think about it, and especially if you're pitching to a company, you're pitching to me because I have the funds to make it happen. Right. So if you don't have these protections in place, why do I now need you? I don't. I can go make it happen without you. So 
at least an NDA, uh, something needs to be in place before you go make a pitch to anybody or, you know, whether it, it be a company, whether it be a private investor. I think if they have the money to make it happen and you're making a pitch, you need to have something in place that says what I'm about to show you is proprietary. And in the event you like it, you can't move on without me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we got uh, Aaron McKenzie uh, from Florida is running in. Uh, thanks, thanks for watching. Always from Florida, appreciate you. Um, yeah, I think that that they, they said it all. Hopefully, that answered your question, Sammy. Um, you know, yeah, uh, I, I think I, I would disagree a little bit when it comes to um, trademark copyright. I would say you got to break it down because um, just because you don't so. Just because you're pitching to a company, that doesn't mean that they can just take your your trademark or your copyright. So it it, it depends on a lot of different circumstances. I think, you know, if I got a, a um, you know, an opportunity to pitch to Donald Trump tomorrow for my business, I can only do it tomorrow. You know, am I going to wait? Uh, NDA, I think you can get done really quickly, but you know, a trademark copyright that's a longer that could be a longer process depending on whether you're doing state or international. So. Um, I think it, it, that that's the only thing I would say I disagree. Uh, but he, he says thank you, gentlemen. So Sammy help me. But I think for the most part, I would stress definitely get your trademarks, get your copyrights, get your NDAs before you um, sign up, before you pitch to a company. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Attorney Whitley. Thank you, Attorney Bari. Thank you, Attorney Bonza. Uh, we are appreciative of you guys taking out time of your busy schedules to drop the, the legal gems today. We are going to be back one month from today in November. Um, I think we're going to do it uh, November 20th. Um, if that works with everybody, we'll be back November 20th. And we really appreciate you guys listening. We're going to continue to collect um, different business law related ideas and topics. If you guys have a topic that you guys want us to talk about next podcast, let us know. Send it in. We would love to hear it. Um, check out our um, the YouTube channel, Just the Camper Law, if you want to rewatch the episode. But that's all I wanted to say. Thank you, guys. Uh, is there anything you guys want to say? Any plugs that you guys want to make for the, for the end? Um, Vote. Before we close? <laughs> you would say, uh, Jacoby? Vote. Vote, okay. <laughs> vote, vote, yeah. Well, uh, Justin Careful Law is our website. I know somebody reached out about trademarks, whatever, if you got visual-related issues. Uh, so but thank you guys so much for tuning in. We're going to end the broadcast. Thank you. Have a good one, everybody. Have a good weekend.